What's up, everybody? This is Press X to Start Podcast. Press X to Start Podcast is an audio and video podcast seeking to transform the video game media landscape through an underserved and protected point of view. Restorative justice for the underrepresented programmers, developers, and consumers. I am your host today, Sean M.F. Ross. What's CMF stand for, Sean? If it's your birthday, make some noise. Today is my birthday. Nice. Happy birthday. Yay. August 22nd. Salutation. Uh... You know what happens when you get older? You pay uh, less money for car insurance. No. Longevity goes down. <laughs> and who do we have speaking? It's your boy Jordan, a.k.a. JXPod, a.k.a. The Last Ending. Is that what we're called in The Ascent? I don't know. I'm not paying attention, but I'm having a good time regardless. A.k.a. That Gamer Guy. Sure. Maybe. We'll figure it out. And I'm Avery. <laughs> um... The usual housekeeping, don't forget to join us in donating to the Palestine Charity Drive at pressxtostart.com slash Palestine. And now on to our heavy hitters. So after a flood of hate rating, Twitch responds to calls to do more for marginalized streamers. This is from PC Gamer. Jordan? Oh, actually, Avery. Uh, Okay, yeah. So I want to say two weeks ago, I was watching one of Achievement Hunter's newest she is in the group, but like because of uh, COVID and everything, she's not in office and she's living mm-hmm. in New York. So it's more of an ongoing collaboration they have with her. Anyway, uh, Shiba Kai, who is a young African-American female creator who works with Achievement Hunter. Uh, every weekend or so on Saturday, Alfredo Diaz does uh, Among Us with a majority of their Achievement Hunter. And uh, actually they can't. There's a law that Achievement Hunter members can't collab like that mm. it's a weird thing because rooster teeth has some really archaic uh things about creating content yeah so apparently achievement hunter members can't collaborate outside of achievement hunter videos so you can get one or two but not three of them in any content that they do outside oh, of oh in their contract yeah okay. that's neither there so like it was kai and a bunch of other rooster teeth affiliated people with alfredo diaz streaming among us during among us she got hate rated and what hate rated ultimately is is someone initiates a raid of your channel filled with bots with various dumb names, but all under the same like sort of category. So it's gonna be like high N word one, high N word two, high N word three. That's gonna be the name of the people. Yeah. And just type in slurs and like automated slurs and other microaggressions and things like that. Generally doesn't give you a bad time. She got hate rated. And how did she react? Uh she took it in stride. She told everyone, hey guys. I just got hate rated, uh, and the group of people who she was with literally couldn't do anything about it. I because mean, I might feel honored to have that sudden well, influx of uh, streamers. <laughs> it's it's because uh, like they're all bots. I and mean, the what does it do for your numbers though? Does it invalidate it after they leave or something? Pretty much, they don't stay because they're not following you. Mm-hmm. You'll get like a view spike, and that's whatever. But like with Twitch, it's not about view spikes; it's about consistent views. Yeah, like. Uh, so she got hate rated with the whole thing. I watched it happen live. It sucked. It's one of those things where she put on a brave face and dealt with it. But it's one of those things that, like, after the fact, she responded on it like this is something that super affected me and everything like that. This wasn't the first hate raid. Uh, a while ago, Twitch put out these uh creator tags. Yeah, like you can tag your uh, Twitch streams with various uh... things to make discoverability easier. And one of the things minorities and people of color wanted was like tags. People could find spaces for people like them. So, like, if you're a black person and you want to watch black Twitch streamers, streamers can put 
uh, African-American or black as a creative tag under there. So, you know, this is a space where that, those people exist. And usually, for the most part, those spaces uh, are welcoming for you. Yeah. That has become a super easy way now for targeted harassment. Because now, literally, racists and ne'er do wells can type in black, find a list of black creators, and just pick one to hate rate. Mm. This has been going on for the last two and a half weeks. Uh, it's now become a thing where people are being hate rated once or twice a stream. Uh, it's incredibly distressing because, for the most part, Twitch hasn't responded with any means to combat this. Yeah. The only response has been creators who've experienced this recommending tools and, uh, and third-party software to mitigate some of the effects. Ultimately, what most streamers are trying to do is to go into like follow mode and things like that, which if you understand the Twitch ecosystem, isn't the greatest thing to do if you're like a small streamer. That pretty much means that like the only people who can interact on in your channel are people who have followed you for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And that can like crush your growth. It's really distressing to see because it's like Twitch isn't doing anything as far as I can tell. They responded to, hey, we've noticed this, but they haven't done anything. And I'm on the two minds. There's the they're working on this and they're just not publicly saying what their tools are going to be which is what I'm hoping is the most likely obstacle, or there's the, what I think is happening is that they don't want to take a stand yeah. as a platform. And lose so like, half. And lose possible people. Yeah. Because the problem with hate rating is it's only affecting minorities on the platform, not the vast majority. So this is one of those issues that most people haven't even, unless you're dialed into those uh, communities, you're yeah. not even aware of it. No amount of signal boosting on Twitter is going to get you to recognize it if you're not in those spaces to begin with. Mm. Do you believe Twitter has done enough to address this problem? Twitch. No, they haven't done enough. They absolutely have not done enough. What do you think they could do? do? Well, one, there is two-factor authentication with just Twitch accounts in general, Mm -hmm. which would make it cost-prohibitive and more difficult to just create bots. It's not like hate rating is like a thousand real people jumping on a raid to yell expletives. It's I got a thousand bots to join your channel to talk shit for like 10 seconds before you've handled it. And then if you ban all those things, don't worry, I've got another thousand bots. So like, there's no limit to what the people doing this can do. Uh, There's figuring out better creator tools so a person can figure out who is rating me right now and send that information directly to Twitch so that person can deal with this. Because the fact that like, it's unknown who's sending these raids out and all that is baffling to me. I think uh, as of recently, they've caught one person live on Twitch, like instigating a hate raid. Yeah. I think showing how to do it, but like, I don't think that's enough to move the needle in regards to the amount of hate raids that are happening. I mean, they're, they have to be able to do something. What about other platforms? Well, other than Twitch, what else do we have? We have like Facebook and Facebook uh, and YouTube, YouTube. are the other platforms. How are they handling that? That's, is that a problem over there? Uh, as far as I can tell, there are no, well, as far as I'm aware, hate ratings are a response to those uh, like identity tags that you can put on your channel. Yeah. I'm not sure if either of those do it. I don't think YouTube does it. And I'm not sure if Facebook does it. So I don't think that's a general issue. And they may have, and I, I haven't been in the Facebook or YouTube live streaming ecosystems enough to know how their platforms work. I think YouTube just has the hashtags still. I'm not sure about um, Facebook gaming. Hmm. It's just one of those hurdles that black creators have to go through, you know? And based on Avery's explanation, 
which is very much so dragging their heels. Because once again, we're we're underserved, and that that, that is the underserved part of the underserved and protected uh, portion of each one of our shows tagline. Like this is in real time. It's unfortunate, and I'm I'm sorry that they're going through it. I mean, I wish there was more that maybe this stream ever got her name with a uh, achievement hunter. Like what more resources? Uh, Kai. Yeah, like what what more resources they can do on their side to help balance out well, the negative effect. The the issue is now that whoever's created these hate raids or orchestrating them or mm-hmm. is involved in any way, shape, way are now circumventing the tools and whatnot that people are building to accomplish it. Yeah, if you build right. a lot, somebody can always figure out how to pick it or make a key. So like the hashtag Twitch do better has been trending for at least a couple of weeks on Twitter. Because that is the hashtag that people affected by hate raids or people associated with those affected by hate raids, or essentially allies, are saying, hey, Twitch, you have to deal with this. You can't be silent on this. You also cannot, like, not do anything about this. And I think their big plan, which I don't think is going to push the needle because of the minority that's affecting it and their inability to get this to be a, like, widespread thing that people are talking about is, I believe, September 1st, their big plan is to not stream on Twitch. Like just boycott Twitch that day. Well, all mm-hmm. black creators or something, or yes, those that are with it. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's as far as the action that the people affected are are being able to do. Since there's been no real response from Twitch, I don't know if that's yeah. You're right. Yeah, it's not going to work. By the time this comes out, hopefully our listeners can follow suit and you know vote with their money, vote with their patronage, at least by September first. So this should be out before then. Yeah. Well, you want to take us. To the quick hey sign? Yes, but before that, we're going to have a word from our sponsors. Ourselves. It's Press X to Start YouTube page. Go to Press X to Start TV. Hey fam, how have you enjoyed this episode so far? Would you like to make sure you keep getting the best laughs, latest news, and most fire takes? You definitely want the fire takes. Then we're going to need your help. If you haven't been already, please subscribe to our show. And if you have, then tell three people about the podcast. It could be strangers, friends, loved ones, hated ones, like real hated ones. Every little bit helps. After you've done that, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Press X number two start, Twitter at Press X number two S, and on YouTube at Press X to start TV. If you've done all of that, well done. Platinum trophy achieved. And now, it's time for the quick hits. Take it away, Sean. Alrighty. Quick hit number one. This comes from the Washington Post of all places. Call of Duty Vanguard was finally revealed, and they're going back to World War II. It's called, well, I just said Vanguard. Um, It's the (laughs) next mainline entry in the... Wildly popular Call of Duty franchise. It'll feature all new squad-based multiplayer mode, a campaign that will include major battles across the four main theaters of World War II and environments that will react and change in response to bullets and explosions. This sounds a lot like Battlefield. Explosive environments. Finally. I'm talking about a squad-based multiplayer mode. Oh, yeah. That would be new, wouldn't it? And environments that uh, react and change in response to bullets and explosions. Like That sounds like Levolution. I mean, but, the closest they have to that right now is Warzone. But, like, Warzone does not have any type of specialization with uh, each one of your team members. 
Nah. So, I mean, like, uh, I think in Battlefield, they have, like, squads of four amongst the bigger unit. And I'm not sure mm-hmm. what they're at now as far as uh, total players in one game. But it's set to release on November 5th. Um, of course, if you're interested, pick it up. Number two comes from IGN. <laughs> Outriders dev does not know how many copies it sold and hasn't earned any royalties. And also on the developer's investor website, People Can Fly explained that the agreement with Square Enix meant it would receive any royalties for the game's first quarter on sale by August 16, 2021. No funds were transferred, which People Can Fly suggests means that according to the publisher, the revenue from the sale of the game are lower than the total cost of its production, including quality assurance, distribution, and promotion. People Can Fly Executive Sebastian, I'm going to fuck that name up, <laughs> Sebastian <laughs> W. This looks uh, Norse, Swedish, I'm not sure. Um, uh, so I believe People Can Fly is an Eastern European studio, so you're not that far off. Let me figure it out. Wojciechowski? Wojciechowski? Mm-hmm. Uh, suggests that a lack of profitability can be caused by the publisher, including distribution partnerships. They're Polish. Because the game was launched on Xbox Game Pass, for example, or that Square Enix spent more than expected on releasing the game, and it wouldn't be a unique situation for Square Enix. Last year, the publisher announced that Marvel Avengers had failed to recoup its development costs a few months after the launch. What you saying, Avery? Oh, yeah, they're a Polish studio. Oh. I thought you said that was bullshit. Um, <laughs> oh, no. No, I have, I have, I have thoughts. I mean, speak on it. Tears on beers. Uh, so, yeah, we just briefly discussed this in our uh, podcast chat about this news. Mm. And what can we take from this? I posited that without more data, like anything I'm saying is just like pure conjecture. But yeah. for me, this seems like there are two real avenues. One, there is Square Enix make creative uh, accounting with their books to avoid having to pay the development team, which I don't think is the case because... Square has been really open for the most part with the with the sales of their games. If a game does well, they will tell you, hey, this game has done well. Uh, so it's obvious that Outriders didn't do well enough. Uh, based on that prior track record with games like Tomb Raider and Avengers, I do think they are struggling with their Western-focused division yeah. in regards to overestimating and underestimating the demand and how much they suspend to make those games. So that could be another factor involved in creative accounting and everything like that. So the idea that they spent too much on the game makes sense. Uh, This is a brand new IP that looks like Destiny, but isn't Destiny. So Mm -hmm. anything could have happened. Uh, Well, actually three. Third is that the game just wasn't good enough to uh, light the world on fire. And so it just didn't sell enough to recoup. I mean, we call this in the beta. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like it's it's kind of funny because on the podcast everyone was playing the beta but me but i was like kind of the only one that played the game because it was on game pass and you know to avery's point yeah the game was trying to be a single player type experience or a solid state experience essentially yeah but structurally it was a games as a service it was and destiny. yeah and it just did not have the content oh, in place. Of, okay, this it, I need to I need to interrupt you for a second, Jordan. Because no problem. I need I need to address this in the room. Here's the thing: we're not recording a video for this podcast, so no one will know what just happened right now. But Donald, who is I believe in uh, North Carolina right now, has joined in for a video call on the cast muted. So not only can you not see him, you cannot hear him, and he's just 
keeving at us as we're having this discussion about Outriders. Without a mask so, on, just being a super spreader. But he got his wedding yeah. ring on, so the ladies can't... He's got uh, a whole ass baby. You already continue. <laughs> Let's just ignore the elephant in the room now. Well, more like a giraffe. But... Um, He's at the North Carolina Zoo. He went home. Go ahead. There, there was tremendous fervor around the um, titling of the articles that, that followed mm-hmm. the story. was like making it seem like Game Pass was completely culpable to its quote-unquote failure. Yeah. But there is an initial agreement made before it was put on Game Pass and we don't understand the ontology of any type of revenue sharing yeah. associated with it being on Game Pass. And additionally, it wasn't just on Xbox, it was on other platforms too. I think it was on PlayStation and PC as Yeah, well. so and mm-hmm. that was that was the third pillar of my conjecture of what could have happened is that hey, maybe putting out a triple A game on Game Pass might not help that game. I think there's enough data to say that a smaller Ten to twenty dollar mm-hmm. game that's put on Game Pass will do better on other platforms than Microsoft ecosystem itself because of the exposure that would get. But for the bigger the game is, that may or may not hamper its uh, ability to sell. Now, without more data, I can't concretely say that that's the reality. Yeah, just at least make sure the money that you're requesting covers the cost of its performance on that platform, at least compared to the other avenues also because there's a clear a distribution of revenues so your revenues from the pc side revenues from the playstation side yeah. and revenues from the xbox side so at least if you are going to do that make sure you're requesting the money necessary to be successful did that game have microtransactions jordan no no it didn't it, mm. I, no it, it did not i'm wondering I'm, I'm wondering if that would have helped it but i mean otherwise 100 100 because like feasibly like ignoring the the subsidizing whatever you're paying a game crash subscription whatever yeah the game is 100 percent a free bonus to the game class platform you're not actually right. paying for the game so any revenue that game is going to get from being on game pass would be from things you can purchase on well, the platform but how long but also the, the original money that they received from microsoft to put it on there too like the lump the money that microsoft paid them on the onset to have their game on game pass is also factored in there. What I was getting at was how sharp was the player decline after launch? Because uh, if you can't well, keep yeah. mm-hmm. people engaged enough to even want to give a shit to spend money after they started playing it. The engagement was hobbling throughout the whole year. Like most people that beat it within the first month just didn't pick it up again because it wasn't easy to go back to. Hey, remember we said this game was aggressively fine. We played oh, yeah. the beta. It was aggressively fine. <laughs> it was the finest game of the year. <laughs> Not the best, the finest. It was the ultimate seven, maybe six. But let's uh let's move on. Moving on from this aggressively fine number two. Uh number three, this comes from the Verge. <laughs> Fortnite copies what the hell is the name of that uh studio? Super Sloth. This is a game uh, Among Us. Just Among Us. Yeah, they, they copied Among Us. Among Us in the new Imposters mode. So they have a new game mode that puts players in two teams. One team with up to eight agents. <laughs> the team is called Inner Sloth. Inner Sloth. And I believe it's like a four-person studio. Yeah. I mean, they. I think they have more people now. But uh, one team with up to eight agents has a goal of maintaining the headquarters of one of Fortnite's secret factions um the imagined order by accomplishing various tasks the other is a team of two imposters epic apparently couldn't be bothered to change the name whose goal is to take out all the agents so um i think they have tasks like cleaning up the cafeteria scrubbing down the battle bus and uh, you don't actually <laughs> kill the other players though i think you like toss them in a warp zone 
thingamabob, what have you. This, this uh, isn't the first time Epic has copied shit and not given people credit. Like, it's kind of what they do. The difference between those moments and this moment, at least in my head, is that this is an Epic who has gone out of its way to collaborate with so many people, so mm-hmm. many brands, even mm-hmm. so many other video game brands. Yeah. So the fact that they couldn't reach out to a very small indie team Egregious. to hell get even the Among Us name rights in the game instead of just a blatant ripoff like this is staggering to me. It sounds like they're just like screwing over the little people. The leadership went to their law department one week and say, hey, can we do can this? we do this? <laughs> and they're like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't have enough it. money to do anything about the, the, it. But should you do the, it? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you can do it. The issue for the Among Us devs is that fundamentally, they're not the only group in that genre. Yeah. They're like mm-hmm. a dozen other Among Us-like games just out there. Among Us is just the one everyone knows. And there are no patents for any of the... Of the game style. Like, Right. Game style or feels. So, like, there's legally nothing they can do. Epic was but, like, can, can, can we sustain a civil suit? But to name this shit the imposters, and then if I've, I don't know if you guys have seen clips where, like, all the, the colors of their suits are the exact same as uh, Among Us. It's ridiculous. I think no, Avery I mean, said that's the greatest and most fucked up thing they've done in a while. <laughs> no, because here's the thing the mode itself is dope as shit. Like, it's one of those things where, like, as someone who loves how involved and interesting and diverse the world of Fortnite has become to the point where one week it's like, all right, man, I'm going to pop in and someone's built, like, a giant escape room that requires eight people to work together to get out of it. And then the next week, all right, here's an Ariana Grande concert that's probably better than any Ariana Grande concert you're actually going to see because there's no limit to what they can do beyond just the time constraints of what they have to do to put it, to create it. That's fucking dope. So, like, let's, uh, let's remember... The roots of Fortnite Battle Royale. This was them copying PUBG. <laughs> yeah, like they they already started from the jump copying another studio, and it was already bullshit back then about PUBG being super upset that they did this. And like, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that I gotta keep the same energy I kept back then, and like am right now, no matter how fucked up that is. But yeah, I think this is fucked up. <laughs> Well, it is what it is. Um, number four, this comes from Kotaku. Wait, also, one more thing. The Among Us team has kind of fucked themselves in the foot with this. Um, uh, phrasing? Uh, we talked about this off, uh, off mic right. and everything on our yeah. Slack chat, that, like, Among Us for PlayStation and Xbox is going to be something around $20. 40 or 30 I think. It's 30 or $40. That's, well, to play the free version of a Among Us-like game for Fortnite is free. Yeah. Yeah. I think my wife had just asked me if I wanted to get it this morning, and I'm just like, uh, I don't know if I want to spend any goddamn money on it. It's $30. Like, the only, yeah, I spent $5 to get Among Us on PC, and yeah. it's free on my phone. And for my console, mm-hmm. it's now 30 something dollars. Either 30 which... 50 or $90, depending on the uh, edition you want to get. And uh, ew. We discussed this. We discussed this when they announced the prices. Yeah, this is insane. Well, a couple weeks back. They're saying the Among Us will be, will be on Game Pass, so that's one stipulation of it being at a subsidized rate. But in terms of the other avenues, yeah, the prices vary. But like the difference, even at a subsidized rate, you're still quote unquote paying for the Game Pass subscription. While with the Fortnite thing, you're just literally walking in the door, loading a Fortnite. Mm-hmm. That's true. So yeah, it's it's like yeah, that sucks. But yeah, let's move on to the next story. I'm sorry. Ah, man. Um, 
Number four, this comes from Kotaku. Ubisoft Studio under investigation over sexual harassment and workplace discrimination reports. The Tripartite Alliance for Fair and Progressive Employment Practices, Singapore's National Workplace Watchdog, has launched an investigation into Ubisoft's local studio following allegations of sexual harassment and workplace discrimination. The results of the investigation can be dealt with in one of two ways. One, in cases where sexual misconduct involves criminal offenses such as molestation, the police will be involved. On issues of workplace discrimination, Singapore's Ministry of Manpower, I like that, can take punitive measures such as blocking Ubisoft's ability to apply for or renew its work permits for foreign staff for a period of 12 to 24 months, which would impact 60% of the studio's expert and senior export rules. Wow. So this isn't like the California case occurring with Blizzard. This is still a you know third-party organization not affiliated with the government. But as we said, there is one pathway to which law enforcement can be involved if the evidence is as strong that will prove, you know, literal explicit sexual misconduct and sexual assault. And Ubisoft has a long storied history at various levels and yeah. various development studios of not being the friendliest place when it comes to the protection of workers, the ability of workers to, you know, do their job without being victimized. Um, this is rough. It feels like the entire uh, industry is just being exposed one by one. And which is what needs to happen. This is the second bullet in the chamber of Ubisoft fixture shit. Mm-hmm. Like before they had their whole big thing early on, and then they made a public apology that wasn't really an apology, whatever. Everyone really forgot about it, and everyone moved forward, and this is just reminding everyone, hey, they, for the most part, haven't done the work to fix their shit. Correct. Jordan, you've read more into the story, am I correct? Yes. Okay, so is this conduct that's being investigated a recent thing, or is this a prolonged thing that came from the initial, like, announcement of Ubisoft harassment stuff that we learned about. Well, this seems somewhat separate. This seems like that specific development studio in Singapore, because they have multiple ones across the across the planet, you know, in terms of their enormity. Um, It's hard to say if this was recent, but they are attaching it to the like this seems to be a development studio that has been involved with Skull and Bones and Mm -hmm. that game. So some of the evidence or some of the cases that they're bringing up maybe a part of that development cycle which has been since 2013 so there isn't an actual date at least i haven't seen in in the article that there was an actual date of when allegations related to this investigation began but this is a studio that seemed to be put in place for a service of skull and bones and development of that title which has been what eight years now Mm -hmm. so yeah these take time but it's a it's a prolonged exposure with the gaming industry is going through right now related to uh sexual misconduct sexual assault and video game production so like it's it's not just like this week next week it's just continuing all the time until we get serious about it um instances like this will continue to be reported all righty um number five this comes from nme abandoned creator hassan karaman asks how are we scammers? How? 
How, how am I a robber? I just took money from you and <laughs> ran away. Doesn't mean to be a robber. The head of the Blue Box Game Studios says he is Ugh. absolutely not a scammer. And I think that pretty much uh, clears it up, doesn't it? The, yeah, trouble, it does. the trouble seems to come from the fact that Blue Box Game Studios have seen six failed game launches since 2015. One of the studio's other games, a horror-themed mobile title called The Haunting, never left the early access stage of development. How do they keep getting funding from people? I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. Like This is even beyond fucking... Um uh, venture capitalism bullshit, which is a problem in the video game industry. This is like just full blown. We scam motherfuckers. Who? <laughs> there uh, may be some like country based like funding that they're getting for their games. Like I know for like in Poland, like mm-hmm. I think uh, the Witcher franchise is like a national fucking treasure. Yeah. Well, Cyberpunk, like, well, Cyberpunk yeah. was also funded, but it's not a national treasure though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. President Obama showed up to Poland. They gave him a copy of The Witcher, not any Aww. like, uh, like, like copies of Polish text or like laureate work. No, here's a copy of The Witcher, our greatest export. <laughs> I wonder if it was like uh, on the same ride Obama took to get the Nobel Peace Prize, like two weeks in. I'm like, actually, that happened later, but that'd be like, I was thinking about that the other day. That shit was wild. I'm like, come no, on, guys, ooh. you're setting yeah. him up. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've written off the abandoned team. Literally, I'm waiting for the game to come out before I pass any more judgments on them. As mm-hmm. of right now, every piece of marketing they put out has been bullshit. I don't know what they're doing. Like you can't say I'm I'm not trying to do X and then do X and then be like I wasn't trying to do X. Nah, man, you did X. You're either clearly trying to hint at something yeah. or you're clearly trying to mislead people with something. It's an either or. It's, an, it's this is a binary decision. And as yeah. of right now. You've clearly screwed the pooch on this, and I, I don't want anything involved with this game until I see it in my fucking eyes of what it actually is. Yeah, it says team members of Blue Box and also freelancers that they work with don't feel comfortable to show their faces right now. It's not fun being labeled as a scammer. Mm. I'm totally fine with my words on this. I'm totally fine with this being a Kojima joint or whatever. I'm totally fine. I mean, at this point, I am just interested in the resolution. Yeah. Well... I hope it comes to some resolution. Number six comes from The Verge. Epic's store-crashing GTA 5 freebie brought more than 7 million new users to its online marketplace. Um, We're getting this info, and it looks like we're just going to keep on getting info little by little from the uh, Epic versus Apple lawsuit uh, documents. Um, For context, Epic Games offered Grand Theft Auto V for free on the Epic Game Store, a deal that proved to be so popular it took down the store for more than eight hours. I should have downloaded it, but I already had GTA V. I mean, whatever. (laughs) Even though GTA V brought a tidal wave of new users, the Epic Game Store still has a long way to catch up to its primary competitor, Steam. Epic revealed on Wednesday that the Epic Game Store has 58 million monthly active users. That's a little less than half of the more than 120 million monthly active players that Valve reported last that are on Steam. Yeah, uh, I use the Epic Game Store a lot. I like it more than Steam. I think Steam is a bloated piece of garbage that everyone's just used to because mm-hmm. it was the only piece on the marketplace and no one else has been able to create anything better because everyone else is creating proprietary bullshit like Origin or UB Play, mm-hmm. uh, which is like, hey, we're, we're just going to sell our EA games. 
fine. So you're going to sell two games on this platform a year. <laughs> fine. Let's move on. Um, I think the Steam sales lock people into it as well. Yeah. They don't want to yeah. lose their uh, stuff. So, you know, and, and they have the friend, you know, friend system, messaging system. Like, Steam has the advantage of being out here for 10 to 15 years. So literally all the growing pains that the Epic Game Store is going through right now is stuff that Steam was able to iron out. People are either short-sighted or willfully ignorant that like every feature you have on Steam now that you're like Epic doesn't have, Steam didn't fucking have that at launch. I'm old enough to remember when people fucking hated Steam. <laughs> yeah, Steam, Steam okay, people still hate it. Yeah, yeah. Steam was created to be a launcher for Half-Life. Hmm. Well, the Epic Games Store was created to be a launcher for Fortnite. It is what it is. Barring epic bullshit aside, I'm excited to see what happens if uh, Epic Game Store finally wrestles away some of that market share from Steam. Like, Actual competition. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, this last story is for Jordan. From IGN, Halo Infinite <laughs> will be released without campaign co-op or Forge at launch. I have no idea what none of this shit means because I haven't played any Halo games other than 3. It kind <laughs> of means to me, and I'm going to let Jordan speak, but it kind of means to me that this is a game that probably should have been delayed. But they need hey. to get it out by the end of the year, so hey. they're cutting off parts. Only so it's not made overnight. Is this your king? All right. <laughs> Jordan. Okay, all right. So I've been able to digest this, and you know, like there may be some, there may be some nexus of what I'm saying based on what you know Avery's talking about in terms of how we perceive this campaign to be, right? Mm-hmm. So a big part of Halo, and this was news to me. You know, I, I recently activated my Twitter, but motherfuckers were tight. Like, I've never seen the community this divided related to this specific um, feature yeah. of, of this franchise. And it is online co-op, co-op campaign. And the last time I played a co-op campaign in Halo was probably Halo 3. Mm-hmm. And this was for me to be legendary because I can barely get by heroic just to get the achievement with the friends and all that. But there are people out there, there are Halo fans, not just people, Halo fans, that need co-op campaign to truly enjoy it. Now, what Joseph Stadden had said was, we are going to release these features as the seasons go on. Like, this is the infinite portion of it. Like, this becomes more and more clear how this game is structured. It is a games as a service right now. In my opinion, wholeheartedly, this Halo game is being built as a games as a service. But this is probably one of the first times we've seen core features locked behind seasons maybe call of duty once or twice with the zombies mode i we gotta take a look at that yeah but to give them credit it wasn't a we are cutting co-op and forge mode we're going to be hopefully releasing them within the next half year um but i think this was a call made from the top because of how much more involved Microsoft's core leadership is in Xbox right now with their CEO being more and more prominent in how Xbox News is delivered. They're like, you guys can't push it back. I'm sorry. And one of the possible reasons why this game has such a difficulty beyond the incompetence of 343, and I have said many things about 343 in the past and how they handled this franchise in terms of its content and, you know, development, they are having an issue when it comes to streamlining the PC port of this game and the Xbox core port of the game. Bungie just had the Xbox port of this game, but they're saying that the PC port alongside with the development of the Xbox port 
and having an instance to which an Xbox One or Xbox Series X user can coordinate or coordinate information to use co-op is becoming a bigger burden um, and needs to be pushed back. Because, you know, PC developing not just for the fucking 30 series, but the 20 and 910 and whatever. So that's all I got to say. Is it coming out this fall? Yes. Yes, it, it's definitely coming out this fall. I believe fundamentally now it's coming out this fall. And I believe it's coming out this fall because they decided all the things they wanted to do that would have pushed the game back. We can just not do them right now because we need to get this out by fall. Oh, yeah. So... I am going to do the Halo Gauntlet, though. Got to give those Xbox buyers something to play, right? Something exclusive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're still riding higher for the heat of the medium. Mm. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm going to do the Gauntlet. I'm going to finish up Halo 5, and I'm going to turn off my TV and stare at my reflection, Black Mirror style, and go, why did I do this to myself? Because you're a sadist. So we'll see. Um... Moving on to what we've been playing. <laughs> uh, Jordan, you want to take it away? I'll make this quick. I was playing 12 Minutes, Quick Impressions, puzzle game with the Green Goblin, Ray, and uh, what movie was, was James McAvoy from? Split. He's been in a lot of movies. I, mean, I know, I know he's the X Men movie. Let's just say the X Men movie. Professor X. Professor yes. X. Um, I'm enjoying it. I started playing it last night. I played it for about four hours straight. And I got kind of stuck once, but basically you are, it's like this weird puzzle roguelike maybe. Like you, you, you gain a little bit of information about what's the best pathway to move forward each time within 12 minutes because certain events are going to happen and not spoiling anything, but it is a murder mystery. You play James McAvoy, conversations with your wife, conversations with the quote unquote cop. You have to figure out how to get out of this time loop. I haven't got to the end of it yet. I haven't finished it, but mm-hmm. I am enjoying it. Avery, what's up? I am also playing 12 Minutes. I'm playing it on PC. Uh, I do not like this game. I will talk more about why I don't like it when you get to my part of what we've been playing. Wrong. Apparently, Hideo Kojima loves it. He wants to make a new adventure game, but go ahead. Well, yeah. there, there are design elements of 12 Minutes where I understand why he likes it. Mm-hmm. My beef with 12 Minutes are its puzzle design and its story, but we can move from there. Okay. Keep kidding, Jordan. Uh, I'm also finished up the ascent. The ascent is basically like my popcorn game of like, hey, just fly through it. Um, I have noticed the patches and how they've improved it. Like, I'm no longer getting crazy graphical or audio glitches anymore. But you know, once again, games need to come out completed. <laughs> you know, and even if they're on Game Pass, you don't just throw something in there and hoping for it to be a quality product. Regardless, <coughs> Halo. the game story. Sorry. <laughs> I want the record to be known that that was Sean who made the Halo jab. Oh, sure, that's <laughs> fine. I know where y'all lies at, but I am noticing an improvement in the story, though. As the story is going on, like they even introduced some new characters that you know make it more engaging, and um, is nonetheless has not stopped being possibly one of my top games of this year in regards to visuals. Um, that's still being held by Ratchet and Clank, but um, this game is nipping at its heels, and you know we'll see what other games come out before the end of the year. But this game was up there in terms of its visual fidelity. And finally, I am playing F1 2020. Uh, if you're not familiar with F1 racing, you may have heard of Lewis Hamilton, uh, black guy, one of the greatest 
F1 drivers in history now. He beat most records. And I, I have gone many years not noticing how more and more sophisticated sports games have become mm-hmm. in terms of their gameplay and mechanics. Because F1, and I'm surprised like how highly rated this franchise is, but not only do you have a driver career mode, you also have a my team career mode, which has you managing the R&D and research that goes into these cars because not only it's not just about the set of teams and their brands, be it Red Bull, Formula One, Renault, Mercedes, and all that. Each one of those teams, each one of those companies have a... They're in competition to make the best car, not mm-hmm. just having the best driver, but one part of it is making sure that your team is well-funded, which is a whole system of mechanics, making sure that they're well-engaged and they have the proper direction so that when you do have game day, you have the necessary resources and tools needed to succeed in terms of where you put your research, where you put your focus on. So that's been coming, but it's kind of like the UFC, basically like you improving your character, but in, in Formula One is you improving your team. And yeah, I, I just came across a new franchise and I'm interested to uh, investing in in the future. And also visually, of course, you know, racing games look, look good regardless but that is what i've been playing i see so uh what what is that ghost of shishima director's cut came out uh this past friday this past week and uh before i touched that i said let me go back and finish haven which i started uh i think it came out in december for the ps5 at first it's on ps4 now i believe um they build this game as a co-op game for couples But uh, the control scheme is really wacky because you have two people kind of gliding around and uh, one pulls the other. It really should have been built as just a single player game, the way it controls. Um, The story is these two people ran away from their home planet because everybody is matchmaked or, you know, they have a matchmaking system and it's pretty much like like arranged marriages and uh, they run away to a strange planet and they pretty much have to just find their way, you know, fix their ship and what have you. And then apparently like the people from their home planet find them. And if they get a hold of them, they're going to do what they call recalibration, which means they will erase all their memories and stick them back with who they belong with, according to the matchmaker. So because this is a newer couple, every five minutes in the game, they're finding some new way to have sex. Cool. It's, it's he said cool it's a it's it's a strange uh it's not strange it's just weird to see it in the video game like every five minutes they're doing some type of innuendo and then cutscene. you're not actually seeing any uh explicit stuff maybe like a, a peek here or there um they have two endings I, I did both endings last night um i did it in the wrong order but i did the bad ending first and ultimately they come and snatch you, take you back to the home planet. You see the guy and he has a son, but it's not with the girl that he's with in the game. And uh, the girl, you see her looking out longingly to the sky, trying to figure out, I guess, she knows something is off, maybe. But uh, the other good ending is just them ending up together. Like They cut off the means of travel to get to them, which is called like a flow bridge or something, which I guess facilitates space travel. I don't know if I'd recommend this game to anybody. 
it just looks super interesting when they uh, first unveiled it, but I don't regret playing it, but I don't know if I can recommend this to anybody. I would not, you know. Um, of course, I've been playing Apex Legends. I really have not used the new Legends here yet. I probably tried them like once well, or twice. He's about to get hard nerfed this Tuesday, so. Yeah, I mean, that, that doesn't do me anything. I, I haven't. I'm curious to see what they do with them. But um, I'm playing a lot of arenas. I like arenas better than um, Battle Royale. That's a three-on-three game mode, right? Yeah, and uh, they have, uh, you know, basically best of... You're supposed to get three wins in a row unless you get a... Well, not in a row. You have to at least win by two. Yeah, you have to Mm -hmm. at least win by two unless you go all the way down to sudden death with them done like once or twice. Yeah, it's a best of five if you have to win by two. It's mini CSGO, or in better terms, mini Valorant, but without the depth of either of those two games, which is why I don't like arenas. (laughs) I mean, I enjoy it just because I enjoy making people quit. I I stomp on people hard in that game. Bully. In that game mode. Huh? I said bully. Don't bully. Yeah, nah. But I mean... they have arenas ranked now, but uh, it kind of sucks because they need to fix a few things. Sometimes you will get into a rank mode and you will be solo. Or you'll be missing a person off your squad, so it'll be 2v3 or something like that. That's terrible. They, they shall know that. Um, granted, I have won a 2v3 before, but uh, what are you saying? Oh, good. No, it's, uh, another issue that the rank mode has is like it's actually more valuable to just kill yourself yeah ranked match i've then actually do the ranked match itself to save on the mmr which is i've seen that they need to fix that so i'm still enjoying it though i mean i guess me and avery will uh join up again soon all right just hit me up man um and then i've been playing huh (laughs) they put the prowler back on the floor and i realized that i'm a controller player and that gun fucking shreds i don't like the prowler it's a five shot burst gun but that's neither here nor there. You, you're on the controller. Use the prowler. I'll it's try our it. one advantage. I'll try it. Um, I've been playing the other free game. Well, actually, I played all the free games for this month. I played the tennis game, but I'm trash at it, so I retired from that. What? Um, yeah. Your backhand booty. It's not virtual tennis. Um, but I played Plants vs Zombies Battle for Neighborville. I also beta nice. tested this a while back. Um, it's a nice little distraction. If you play Call of Duty or any first-person shooter, you'd be halfway decent at this. They just have a lot of different uh, power-ups and what have you and upgrades for your character that you can get in this game. So, I mean, it, it's okay. I, I would give it a try if you still got time to download it. It's a nice little distraction. Avery? Yes, I am playing Apex Legends as well. Uh, I'm getting back in the groove of being legitimately good at that game. Like, I've retired my R9, I'm focusing more on the R3, because it's better than the R9 right now, and I've decided to give the Prowler a chance, and literally, uh, wow, I, I hated that gun because I hated birth guns, but, like, after watching enough comp Apex and people on mouse and keyboard complain about aim assist with the Prowler, I said, fuck it, let me give it a shot. Oh, wow, this gun is, fuck it, it's gross as shit. And so I started using the Prowler, uh, Seer still sucks. I hate that character, and I wish they bolted from the game. I think he's designed to say it's super cool, but they were on crack when they made that character and thought he would be healthy for the game. Yeah. It's super fun. It's super fun to get into a gunfight 
get uh, knocked a hundred health, and then have your bat canceled by three different seer ults from three different directions because three different teams are watching you in the middle. It's so dumb. That character, oh, it's my issue with seer is that like if you compare Octane, who is the first legendary release, mm -hmm. whose passive is "Hey, I run fast and jump pad and jump pad." No, 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 that's to, not his passive. That's his active ability. <laughs> yeah, oh. his, his active ability, I run fast. His passive, I regenerate a very tiny amount of health over a long amount of time to justify my tactical taking away health. To Seer, my tactical is a wall hack, gives you enemy health, is a flashbang, is a silence to both your abilities and your actions, and does 10 damage. Well, you know what? Part of me is like, I'm glad that they were a brother. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm super excited about that. I just like I really wish they had made him the most hated character in this game. Right, that is that is what's happening. But yeah, he's about to get nerfed soon. Um, I haven't touched ranked in a while, and I don't know if I will ever go back to ranked. I'm just trying to like, chill in pubs right now, so that's that there. But I'm enjoying coming back to Apex. Uh, nice. I played Avengers: War for Wakanda. Don't don't spoil. Oh, I, I've only gotten a mission in before okay. I stopped playing it to play the main Avengers campaign because I I want to fucking get the platinum trophy in this game. But yeah, uh, I think it's super odd to play this game and have it just like recap the Black Panther origin. And like, it's one of those things I'm just like, huh. Wait, wait. Me as a which, which Black Panther origin? Is it a Netflix Black Panther origin? <laughs> or was it FX? No, it was on Netflix. It was that Marvel uh, fucking yeah. uh, motion comic bullshit they did of the awful Black Panther origin, which I think is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that was really bad. So it's, it, yeah, it's like they're basing a lot of your uh, enjoyment of this character on the MCU version of this character, mm -hmm. and then they're also bang on you not knowing who this character is. So they're recapping a lot of his origin to this character in a way that's like, I think it's a little bit weird. I think he plays fine. One thing I've liked about Avengers is that fundamentally, all the characters mechanically are fundamentally different. And I think that I think that's always been cool. And so he plays different than any other character in the game, especially different than any of the melee characters in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, I did a couple missions with him before I started playing the other stuff because I don't think I'll put time into his character, not because like, I don't like Black Panther, but more like I'm still focused and dedicated to my Captain America, my Hawkeye, and my Kamala Khan, and I don't necessarily need the Black Panther's close-range combat when I can use Cap, who I think has better range combat as well with the shield. Yeah, he throws that uh, shit. I also put money into this game because they put the endgame skins in this game, okay. and like, okay. trust me, like, I hate, their designs in this game I think are just straight up bad, and yeah. I will pay money to not look like this game's Iron Man ever again. <laughs> I just put him in the endgame Iron Man costume. And they've done, they've got pretty good cap costumes, but they put the endgame cap costume in there, so I'm like, fuck it, let's, I'm gonna put, I'm put $14 in this game to get this costume. I enjoy Avengers, so like, I'm not here to convince anyone to jump back into that game, yeah. but I'm really excited to see how they go forward with War for Wakanda. Because, like, they've now introduced three tiers of content drops. There is mission drops, where we got, like, a mega-level sanction mission, which is just, like, a, a series of missions on the task of everything. There is uh, expansions, which is War for Wakanda, where we're getting a brand-new biome, brand-new everything. It's whole new deal. And then we've got the character story thing, like we got with the, both the Hawkeyes. Mm. That's really cool. Good. And then, finally, I played 12 Minutes. I think this game is brilliantly designed, and I'm kudos to the studio for attempting this type of game. That being said, <laughs> I think its story is garbage, and I think as a roguelike puzzle-based looping narrative, I think its puzzle design is archaically insane. Hmm. Like, there are a lot of unintuitive puzzles in this where I'm like, who would think of this? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I what you just said reminded me of the moment that kind of stopped me. To which I'm like, I would have not run my cursor on that part of the screen to see that. Like that wasn't that was unfairly unapparent, as best yeah. I can put it. Yeah. And in regards to a story, I'm always going to be someone who's going to defend people making in out there story decisions. And based on the narrative, I'm always going to be out there for you as a storyteller to tell whatever story you're trying to tell. Maybe not tell this one. Huh. Maybe maybe not tell this story. All right. Maybe, so you finished it? Yeah. Okay. Maybe the themes of all this story don't need to be told. All right. I'll keep my eye out. Now I'm nervous. Now I'm anxious. I'm like, no. I mean, I'm not trying to say I'm loving this story. I'm interested to see where it goes. But yeah, I have hit a couple story pieces like, what's going on here? Yeah. The world that can see of this game is super cool, and I love everything about the story up until a reveal is made, and I'm like, oh, okay, I don't think we need to, I didn't think we need to go this way. I think <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, yeah, the yeah. story they were telling was, like, a 7 or 8 out of 10 story. Really good. And this twist kind of brings it down to, like, a 6. Like, this is some daytime soap opera bullshit I don't think anyone needed to deal with. Mm. Well, I should have it done <laughs> by, by the next time we're on. I got something to look forward to, maybe? I don't know. Now I'm scared. I don't know. Man, you need to go ahead and get that Ghost of Shishima. I should. Yeah, I'm getting Ghost next week. Mm-mm-mm. Well, y'all good to go? Is that everything? Yeah. Yeah, that's yes. everything. Well, this has been another episode of Press X to Start Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting apps if you can every little bit helps also remember to like share and subscribe on our youtube channel if you missed any of the details you can find this and more on our website at pressx number two start.com until next time peace peace bye everyone